This is a Radio 1 91 FM podcast. Last month, the Green Party and ADHD New Zealand met with various agencies to discuss the future of attention deficit hyperactivity disorder in New Zealand. The Green Party says that the government and health sector have since committed to investigating sweeping changes for the diagnosis and treatment of ADHD across the medical system. The Green Party spokesperson for mental health, Chloe Swarbrick, said that the meetings had resulted in six outcomes to focus on, including improving access to medicine, increasing understanding of the disorder, building a consistent model of service and quality training for healthcare workers. Earlier in the week, I spoke to Chloe about the process of diagnosis for adults in New Zealand, the difficulties of accessing treatment, and also the plans made with government alongside ADHD New Zealand, which, according to Swarbrick, make up the biggest changes for the ADHD community in a generation. Here's our conversation. Chloe, as someone who's been relatively open about having ADHD, can you tell us a bit about what it's like to be diagnosed as an adult, uh, and, and maybe what it's like more generally... Um, for someone with ADHD to deal with the current mental health system? Because it's not easy sailing, is it? Absolutely not. And I think I can say just kind of from a more macro perspective, uh, based on parliamentary written questions I put to the Minister of Health, we at this point in time don't actually know and have no essential repository of data of how many New Zealanders have actually gone through the process of diagnosis for ADHD. Uh, and that has something to do with the fact that all of our ADHD systems don't talk to each other and it's hoping to be fixed throughout the health reforms. But it also bleeds into the broader issue of the complete lack of uh, kind of evidence-based approaches to um, ADHD and actually also to autism and neurodivergence as a whole uh, in Aotearoa. Uh, but fundamentally, the approach that we're taking is one that was entrenched in kind of 1999 to 2001. Uh, and it comes from actually a bit of a moral panic that was being kicked off about uh, a fear of overprescription and stimulant medication, particularly to children. No uh, evidence was progressed at this point point in time for the sake of the argument and it was very much swept up uh, in the kind of fear of the minds of both the media and politicians. And as a result we ended up with uh, what I think is kind of oftentimes the flip side of the war on drugs mentality. When we think of the war on drugs we tend to think of you know, pushing people who are using illicit substances further and further underground and criminally punishing them. What we've seen with regard to ADHD treatment and particularly prescription medication is that we have in fact created systems that are so incredibly difficult these hoops and these mental gymnastics to jump through for somebody with ADHD that oftentimes they end up not getting access to that medication in the first place and this occurs in the form of something called the special authority but the part of that uh, and to get back to your initial question around what it's like for somebody with ADHD to currently work through the system to get a diagnosis in the first place noting that while we don't have official data on how many New Zealanders have gone through that process we do know that based on international estimates from the World Health Organisation that it's approximately 1 in 20 New Zealanders we know that uh, it's, it's a pretty arduous process if you don't set the old school kind of caricature of particularly a young man bouncing off the walls and disrupting a classroom. And as you get older and become more accustomed to something known as masking, uh, then you may be less and less inclined to be picked up by the system, which makes 
to more and more inclined to potentially be misdiagnosed with something particularly like depression, uh, but also to end up with the kind of real falling off and not by understanding why, whether that be falling through the gaps in the education system, struggling with employment, uh, with your day-to-day relationships, and all of those other things are critical for a sense of well-being. So there's profound impacts, basically, with underdiagnosis and picking up on these issues earlier in somebody's life. And then there's a whole other subset of issues when it comes to treatment and prescription medication. That That's really interesting what you brought up about... Um the war on drugs uh, and 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 its impact on you know access to medication um, here in Aotearoa. It seems like it seems like the war on drugs is uh, has negatively impacted a lot of access to uh, medication in New Zealand. Um, is this something that we've adopted from the states? This you know this fear about misuse of stimulants like Adderall, which I I don't even think we really use here for for ADHD treatment, yeah. do we? <laughs> We, we do use, I mean, the, the brand name uh, we, we typically use is, is Ritalin, but there's also actually, interestingly enough, and again, this is, I think, by virtue of not having um, adequate evidence and data collective here in Aotearoa, um, we also haven't enabled certain medications that have been uh, licensed and allowed onto the market, even as, you know, close to us as Australia. So um, what we do know, and I've gone through the Parliamentary Library and Hansard, which is the documentation of parliamentary debates at the time, gone back through uh, all of the different reporting that occurred at the time in the late 90s and early 2000s on this issue, what we did see is an incongruence between what the politicians were saying and what the practitioners and the experts and the specialists were saying. There was, as I was saying before, this kind of moral panic, this this jumped up fear that we were seeing our streets awash with stimulant medication with no evidence provided for those assertions. And then on the other side, the psychologists and psychiatrists, the paediatricians, the GPs saying that what was being proposed with regard to what's called the special authorities or those extra hoops to jump through is that it would not work very well for those with ADHD and you know I just think it's really important to unpack that now 20-25 years on from that process we have a status quo where ADHD NZ reports that 80% of New Zealanders trying to go through this treatment and diagnostic process are having trouble accessing that system and getting their diagnosis in the first place we also have reports that again noting that we've just gone through these health reforms or are currently in the middle of them we have no publicly available specialists through the public system that are taking bookings for the diagnosis of adult ADHD and therefore recommendations from those who are within peer support groups that it's easier to go across to Australia. And then you can see all of those issues kind of starting to to fall out. So this is not something which is specific necessarily to ADHD medication. I mean, it's the same kind of pharmaceutical treatment that we've seen, for example, with regard to medicinal cannabis that has meant that there's extensive barriers to products coming onto the market, which completely are unworkable for a plant-based product. You also see it with the likes of the barriers to uh, treatment with psychedelics, um, so treatment-resistant depression, PTSD and otherwise, which are only now just starting to break through. I've been working with University of Auckland researchers there. So this this war on drugs approach is absolutely not necessarily specialised to um, or only affecting the issue of ADHD. But when you look across at the breadth of what, uh, perhaps unfairly, but for lack of a better term, could be classified as within the mental health or neurodevelopmental space, uh, you do see that these uh, kinds of barriers to 
access to baseline medication don't exist for the likes of SSRIs, the treatment of uh, anxiety and depression. They only exist for those with ADHD. And ironically, uh, by virtue of this unevidence-based uh, kind of hoops for people to jump through, we've created a system that is completely the antithesis of uh, what somebody with ADHD can mm. go through mm. in any easy way to get access to the medication that they need to enable that executive function. Yeah, yeah, it seems like a really arduous, uh, lots of hoops to jump through. And and like you mentioned, it's not something that's easily accessed in the public health sector. So is there another, is there a hidden kind of cost barrier uh, to treatment with ADHD as well? Yeah, there is. Um, so I think it's really important, important to unpack. The, the diagnosis is one thing, but then uh, treatment is another entirely. So just with regard to diagnosis, theoretically, um, that is not something which is necessary to be specialised. But because we obviously don't have a particularly accessible, let alone affordable mental health system, it is the case that many people end up conflating it, particularly in the way that we talked about it in perhaps the, the mainstream media context. So um, treatments primarily uh, at present, by virtue of not having great access to the likes of CBT and alternative treatments uh, is largely in the space of that stimulant medication. The stimulant medication, by virtue of those late 90s, early 2000s changes, requires what's called a special authority. What's a special authority? Well, a special authority is something that must be signed off if you are dealing with a child ADHD, a paediatrician, or a psychiatrist with adult ADHD, a psychiatrist. Uh, it lasts for only two years at a time. That means that you have to then go back and prove that your pain has not changed and your ADHD hasn't evaporated in the thin air. Uh, it also means that there is a need to renew your prescription and pick up a new script from your uh, pharmacist every month. Uh, and also that when you do get a prescription issued by potentially your GP getting that authority from the psychiatrist, that it expires after seven days sitting with your pharmacist. So as you can see, there's a lot of barriers there for people accessing in the first place, uh, even their medication, and that's after they've gone through the hoops to get that prescription and that special authority. So outside of the public system, which we've just kind of detailed is very difficult to access, you uh, and a number of people are turning to the uh, private system, so outside of the public system, sorry, a lot of people are turning to the private system, and within the private system, we're talking about... Uh, you know, psychiatrists that cost in excess of hundreds of dollars half an hour visits. So it's incredibly expensive mm -hmm. and therefore incredibly inequitable. Chloe, recently there was a meeting between the Green Party, ADHD New Zealand and some other players in the health sector to discuss the, uh, the need for changes within the health system. Um, can you tell us a bit about some of the ideas that were discussed in these meetings and you know, what plans are in place to make it easier for people with ADHD in Aotearoa? Uh, at the end of August, um, we had the culmination of uh, about a year and a half worth of efforts between ADHD New Zealand and myself. Uh, and out of that, we pulled in uh, you know, representatives from the former DHBs, uh, to Paku Order, um, interestingly as well, from police, from all of the professional medical colleges and the Ministry of Health. We also had representatives of psychiatrists, paediatricians, and some GPs. We had some, of, uh, some people with lived experience. And the whole purpose there was to bring together a group of people who were necessary to resolve some of these issues as well as defining them also to put a clear plan in place to start to remove those barriers and those inequities. So we had six key things that were immediately committed to and when I say immediately committed to that's you know after 20 years of the system not working then a year of pulling the story together and now obviously a game plan for us moving forward. So uh, the first thing was around improving access to ADHD medicine um, and that relates particularly to that special authority process that I was speaking to but also considering new medication 
medications um, coming onto the market. Both Pharmac and the Ministry of Health agreed to do that, uh, and the Royal Australian New Zealand College of Clinical Psychiatrists are also working on uh, investigating that access. We also had a commitment to increasing the understanding of ADHD, um, so that's really related as well too to the changes that are currently coming down the pipeline in the Mental Health Act. We currently have a convention of reporting sometimes on what's happening inside of our mental health system, but we don't have a legislative requirement to do so. Thirdly, uh, we had a commitment to building a consistent model of service because, as I kind of alluded to before, if you're in the North Island or the South Island, you have very different treatment. But even in cities like Auckland, if you're in Central Auckland versus South Auckland, you'll get very different treatment. They're also kind of connected to that. There's fourthly a, a commitment to adopting new medical practice guidelines. So as part of those special authorities and all of those guidelines that were adopted about 20, 25 years ago, uh, we have not had best evidence-based approaches to ADHD treatment for a very long time. So we're looking at adopting the Australian ADHD Professionals Association guidelines, but obviously needing to cater those to our domestic context, particularly with regard to uh, acknowledgement and proper integration of Tikiriki But as a starting point, just adopting those Australian ADHD Professionals Association guidelines would be a massive leap forward from where we are now. And we've had all of the Royal Colleges committing to doing that. We then uh, have a commitment to delivering high-quality ADHD training for all healthcare practitioners that may otherwise not necessarily know what some of those signs are and therefore lead somebody down the path of a potential misdiagnosis. And then the sixth kind of core component is an ADHD reference group, which will help to drive and hold the system accountable to doing all of these things. So all of that sounds massive and colossal. What is important, I think, for people to really take away from it is that alongside the wheels of the bureaucracy turning in a way that I haven't seen in all of my different portfolio areas over the past five years, and you know, with a level of commitment that I think is phenomenal, we've also got commitment from the Royal Colleges to just start getting on with it now and embedding that into their practice now without waiting for the law to change. So it's huge. It's huge, and it and it seems that it's yeah. It seems that there's momentum. It seems like there's actually lots of people within the medical industry wanting to change, which is uh, which is really hopeful. Yeah, it's honestly it's phenomenal and it's awesome. And I want everybody to know that uh, while it feels like this has kind of just all happened, it definitely was a process that took a long time and many meetings prior. So it definitely didn't happen overnight. But we do now have those commitments and we have a game plan. And we also have uh, those six commitments, which I absolutely expect the public to hold systems and myself and the ministry accountable to. But I guarantee you, you'll also see me holding system accountable to as well. Thanks for listening to Radio 191 FM podcast. All of our content lives online at r1.co.nz.